hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Online Podcast, brought to you in association with our good friends Workforce Dimensions Limited. I wonder if they've been furloughed or anything like that. Not, uh, Sam, let us know. Uh, anyway, I am John Phipps as always and on the line now is a man who is a quiz master, he's a teacher, he's the uh, okie-cokie of furloughers. It's Matt Gerard. How are you, Matt? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it's um, Well, the weather's a bit bad today. Normally, this sort of time that I go and sit in the garden and have me lunch, but uh, it's raining a bit today, which is good for the garden because I've done a lot of work on the garden. So in some ways, that's quite nice. But yeah, it's been a good week so far. It's only Tuesday, but um, <laughs> good work from the kids. So so happy about that. Again, learning too much about Charles, Charles Darwin. We had to do a rap today about Charles Darwin. Which about, can, can you share any excerpts from, from this rap? Uh, a lot of... Uh, I've got I've written down it somewhere. Do you want to listen? Well, we'll listen to it. Hang on a uh, second. Yeah, well, not all of it. it. Well, it depends how long it is. Hey, where's your rap, Rex? <laughs> Here we go. I didn't write this. My daughter did. Darwin, I am Darwin. Charles, Charles, Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came up with a theory of evolution. I say this so you not give science a miss. I'm the one and you won't be like me because I did the theory of evolution. Very good. So that's so that's that's again, I don't know how much education if they would have done that in their normal school time. But with the rap there. So um, they asked you to beatbox to it, which I think is a bit of a. (laughs) But I won't be doing that. But we'll type that up, send it to the school. So that will keep them um, keep them going, really. Yeah, very good. What else we got to do? bit of French about Little Red Riding Hood but no it's been a good week for homework today apart from the maths which is an absolute nightmare but yeah we're getting there so yeah, you say the, the the rain's good for the uh for, for the gardens and stuff I actually think it's pretty pretty good for the um for the lockdown uh to be brutally honest with you because um I've been out for my daily run today uh, along the Eastbourne seafront and uh, it's amazing how many few people there were out today compared to yesterday it's almost as if people think that their 30 minutes of, of exercise only needs to be done when it's really, really hot, which is uh, very, very interesting. I mean, normally, just to put this in perspective for you, when I go out and do my 5K, uh, around half of that run is along uh, bits that clearly, very clearly say no cycling. And uh, normally, I probably would say I have to avoid upwards of 25 cyclists uh, who think that that rule doesn't apply to them. Uh, today, on my run, I saw one, one cyclist. So, you know, I think that people, it, it kind of has made me a bit worried because I, I think that people aren't taking this seriously because if if you think the old exercise is so important that you've got to go out when it's sunny, then you will, surely it's also that important you've got to go out when it's a bit wet, wet no? Uh, yeah, I don't do any running, but we go for a, um, our walk at about six o'clock in the evening or during the week and then sort of the weekend, different times. But we have seen more and more people out um, and we went out on Sunday walk down to Josh Bay and there were people on the beach because we thought we'd walk down and have a nose and there, there was people on the beach but I think they are lifting they are going to lift it and I think people said that you will be able to police aren't going to stop people going to the beach because they said if you're queuing outside Tesco's for an hour how can you tell people not to sit on a beach so and I, and I think that the, the, the lockdown is going to change but we don't know about how much but um, certain things are coming here but there seems to be more and more people out and I presume for the weather, the government's probably cheering a little bit, I think, because the weather was nice yesterday and people were going out. So I think the government probably like another good 10 days of rain, which I think the weather is going to be um, 
quite bad over the next few days. So I think the government will be pleased about that. And it may help the curve as well. So when we find out next week what the what it will be, but I don't think it'll be major, but little bits of pieces from there. I am back to work on Friday for a few days and then next week I'm furloughed again. So um As I said the okie cokey of furlough. Yeah, yeah, so yes. But other people have other people yes, I've got a few days of to do stuff for the month end, but I am back to back to work for a few days and then back off again. Yeah, I think it's uh it's it is interesting. I mean obviously I'm kind of uh, at the sharp end of things and funny enough uh, I've got someone coming down from BBC Southeast tomorrow to interview me about my uh, about my my current business. Uh, oh, how things are going. That be on? I don't know. I will find out and I will put it out on the uh, on the Twitter. Uh, how did you find podcast. out? Did they contact you? Yeah, well, I mean, let, let, let's be brutally honest. I have a few contacts up there. So I a, a few months ago, I dropped the uh, I dropped someone uh, at BBC Sussex a line just to say, look, if you ever know, need anyone who's got a uh, who, who's got a B&B. Uh, then by all means give us a call and uh, and sure enough yesterday morning they gave us a call so you know Ooh. so, so what, that could be on tomorrow evening then it could be I, I i don't know if it will be or not but uh they right. but yeah so we're, we're looking forward to to that and uh, you'll see uh definitely why this is a audio podcast rather than a video podcast <laughs> uh when uh when you see potentially my face on the tv so uh, i hope you've all got small screens because trust me i don't want to see myself on a large screen tv but oh, but again, but how is um, business anyway? Would you say what, what business? Oh, exactly. Have, have, you been, <laughs> have you had any support in any way? Uh, we got the uh, we got the small business grant from the government, uh, and we've managed to get our mortgage on an interest-only basis uh, for the next few months. Uh, and we're also looking into some other possibilities. But at the moment, it's just a matter of just trying to cut our cloth and, and trying to make sure that we've still got a business to, to come back to when people are able to come and visit us. All right. So, again, any, people who have booked in the summer, have they still? Um... Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's, the problem is, is a lot of people are up and down. They don't know if they're going to be able to come or not. So we've had some people have moved. We've had some uh, a lot of our guests for the tennis uh, that happens in Eastbourne have moved their bookings back to next year which is really handy uh, but yeah we've obviously lost a lot of bookings um for the summer already as far as september we're getting cancellations because people are just so uncertain about what their plans are going to be mm, yes yeah, so we spoke going away in august down to cornwall so and i think it is you know it's just it's a seven hour drive down there if we if it's still social distancing it, it's probably not worth going is it because you can't sit in a pub or anything like that and we're stuck in a caravan we're going to a caravan so and I don't know how they're going to social distance that, to be honest. To be honest. No, exactly. It's uh, it's a nightmare. I mean, I've had a fun week. I mean, Saturdays have really been my uh, my my day of hell during the lockdown because a few weeks ago, uh, I went up to a supermarket to do my my weekly shop. Uh, it's the first time the car had been out for a few days, and uh, while I, I sat in the car while Hayley went and did the shopping, and when I came when she came back out, the car wouldn't start. I had to have a new battery. That was one Saturday drama. Uh, obviously, last weekend we had all the stuff with the cats, uh, so I was over the vets a couple of times and trying to sort all that out. This week, Saturday morning, uh, gets up and Haley um, goes, "Oh, the toilet's blocked." Now, this is the second time this has happened since we've been here in Eastbourne, and um, I saw things on Saturday morning which I will neither describe for you nor do I ever want to see again. Uh, and I miss, had to miss your, your quiz on Saturday because uh, a drain man was coming round uh, to, to look at the drains, and sure enough, he turned up at three o'clock, and uh, he, he pro- 
surprisingly, he said I did a really good job because I got my drain rods out and everything, and I completely unblocked it. Um, but it was it was the things I saw on Saturday morning, mate. I tell you, absolutely grim. <laughs> the second time, I remember you described it to the first time. It was for Christmas when it you had it before. So um... yeah, this one was a lot worse this time. Actually, it was. Uh, I opened up one of the manhole covers and. I'll just describe it in size of about a wall of about eight inches high. Uh, did, 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 did he um, <laughs> did he fix it? Oh, the the drain man. He need to fix it. I fixed it. Uh, well, it, will it? Will it come again, or is that all done and dusted? When he looked at, it, he said the the pipes are in good nick, so it should be okay. But he did say that uh, uh, we need to just sort of keep an eye on it. So every few months or so, I'm just going to be uh, just I'm um, just sticking drain rods and, and other things that I've got up the pipes and down the pipes just to make sure there's no blockages coming. So uh, it's just one of those things you've got to maintain because when you live in a Victorian building, it's one of those things. You have to deal with these things, don't you? Uh, yeah, well, well, I'm glad. You missed a good quiz again? So yeah, I'm still waiting for my score. I did send you my answers. No, no, no. I could send you the answer. You can mark it yourself if you like. All right, then. I'll do that. Do that. I reckon I did well. All right, so yeah, yeah. I got, I got thirty-one of the. The first question was name the World Cup teams from twenty eighteen. I got thirty-one, and the one that I didn't get was Croatia. And I, I sent Matt my answers, and then I went out for a run, and I literally had got as far as the road outside the front of my house, and I went, oh bloody Croatia! I forgot about them. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I was pretty confident. I, I think I probably did better than I did last time. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well I will send you the answers through, and there is okay. another one on Saturday as well. So. Stop. Three o'clock, three o'clock, Cricketers Facebook page. If you follow me on Twitter, not, again, I will um, put the link out. So it will be out there on Saturday. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll expect something happen here on Saturday. It'll probably be like just some sort of fire or something like that, probably just to, to finish it off, because Saturday seems to be my day for hell uh, here in the, uh, in the lockdown. But there you go. It's one of those things. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think the weather, well... We had less numbers than the previous week, but I think because the weather was a bit better. But if the weather's going to be a bit ropey, we might have a few more numbers. So, of course, like everything in this game, like we do this pod, John, it's all about the numbers at the end of the day, as, as producer Tom keeps telling me. Well, exactly. Well, people keep saying to me, what are you doing on your podcast? And it's like literally just talking about our lives in lockdown. And uh, so, so that is pretty much it. Anyway, this is our 121st episode of the Ken Only podcast. Now, lots of things about 121, of course. Uh, the square number of 11, or the, yeah, 11 times 11, uh, is 121. Uh, it's the number for voicemail for a mobile phone company, uh, which is the one I am using. So uh, if you ever call me and I've not answered, then I will dial 121. Uh, Modified. Find... Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, and it is also, do you remember, talking of mobile phones, do you remember the network one-to-one? And those adverts they used to do, they were actually, it was one of the first mobile networks that they then got bought, became T-Mobile and obviously then since become EE. But they had those adverts, didn't they, with uh, Ian Wright and like, I'd like to have a one-to-one with Martin Luther King. Do you remember that? Not at all. No, 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 no. There was a few, there were a few sort of celebrity adverts knocking around. And uh, yeah, it was like, who would you have a one-to-one with? Who was your like, all-time hero? And uh, Ian Wright was like, and it was like an iconic advert back in time. It's like late 90s, and 97, 98, something like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, I remember the time Ian Wright would literally do anything for money, like Chicken Tonight and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, to be fair, Ian Wright, he's had a good career because he's on everything now as well, hasn't he? So he came off, we had his chat show, and then got that breaking news, McDonald's might be opening, John. So oh, wow. Everybody be out for that. You were telling me just a minute ago about the, the tick might be opening. Right. 
the tip is more important to me than McDonald's. Yeah, I think the tip. I've got a bit of rubbish in the garage that I need to throw, um, throw away. Um, so I think a trip to the tip. But I did read somewhere that the the dump itself, you would have to book a slot. Cause yeah, because people people are going to have done so much clearing out. You're gonna it's gonna be like the, the first day they reopen, it's gonna be worse than the queue at B and Q in Gillingham on Saturday. Yeah, oh, was, oh well, B and Q has opened up as well. Yeah, there was massive queues there. So yeah, I don't know how they're going to handle that, but I will. A trip to the dump will be one part of my job. But is that dumps in Margate? So it's probably about a ten minute drive. Is that should it should I drive ten minutes? I don't know. I suppose I drove ten minutes to get to Tesco. So well, it might be queuing up for hours though. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we'll have to. I'm not going to go just yet, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, one final thing about the number 121 uh, for our 121st episode is uh, is the the official end score in a game of cribbage, uh, the six card uh, version uh, of of cribbage, which finishes in uh, on 121. Are you a cribbage man, Matthew? Never played it in my life. No. Oh, you've missed out. Me and my dad play uh, play played a lot of uh, crib when I was younger. We started off on five card, then we moved on to six card. Uh, and eventually we got to such a stage where we started playing nine card crib. We did four years, four laps around the board uh, and we play this game both to win and to lose. So when you play to lose, your aim is to get as few points as possible and make your opponent get lots of points. And uh, we absolutely enjoy it. So uh, it's definitely, I, I, we, we both said, me and, me and my dad, about teaching our respective partners, one being my mum, uh, to, to play crib during lockdown. And uh, we have had absolutely no interest in that from, from either party. But uh, it's, it's a good game, mate. You should, you should teach yourself. Yeah, I've got a lot of other things. I suppose if people say you should, you know, in this time here, that you should be doing, making a new skill. But I am being a teacher is my new skill. And maybe I've been <laughs> doing a lot of baking. My scotch eggs. One of them came out really well, which I was pleased about. Victoria Sponge I've made. Uh, cottage pie, I'm making a moussaka tonight. So my new skills are going towards baking stuff. So that's that's from that point of view. Yeah, good. Well, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I made a, another sauce last night. I made a, ste- a sauce of steak. It wasn't all that, really. It was a it was a quick job, and, and rightly so. And uh, it was an old recipe that Hayley had. I wouldn't say it was old, but it was from Summerfields. And <laughs> And uh, we decided that recipe would would be left out of the uh, the recipe book for, uh, in the future. So uh, we shall see uh, what happens there. But yeah, cribbage. If there's anyone out there who plays crib uh, and would like to know more about nine card crib, because me and my dad think we're probably the only people in the land who play this game and who play it to lose, uh, we would love to hear from you. So uh, let, hit us up on social media, Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. Uh, let us know about your crib habits. That's uh, something uh, completely different that we don't normally talk about on the Kent NL Podcast. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have a clue where to start. So, um, yeah, if you're into cribbage, let John know. Don't let me know because I'm not interested. So you wouldn't understand I've said 15, two pairs, four pairs, six, and one for his out seven? No, not at all. Okay. That sounds, like, that sounds, sounds like something I can put in my uh, Darwin wrap. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I think I think Darwin invented crib, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he's done everything else. Well, yeah, well, which I found not? out anyway, yeah. Exactly. Well, anyway, uh, let's move on and actually do some football. We've got two interviews for you uh, on this week's show. Uh, last week... We recorded the podcast on Tuesday lunchtime, as we are this week, and for various reasons I didn't get round to editing it until Wednesday lunchtime, which proved to be a bit of an error, uh, because it was uh, announced on Wednesday lunchtime that the National League season has come to an end. Uh, all the playing fixtures uh, for the rest of the season have been uh, cancelled, uh, and the National League statement says there was 90% of responses returned. It's evident a clear majority of clubs are in favour including the majority of clubs in each of the National League, National League North and National League South divisions. In the knowledge that the ordinary resolution has passed, the League's board has chosen to communicate the decision now, uh, which 
uh, to enable clubs to make business decisions with greater clarity as soon as possible. Clubs yet to respond, blah, blah, blah. National League CEO Michael Tassel said, at a time when the entire country is wrestling with the devastation impact of COVID-19, the cancellation of the remaining normal season matches brings a degree of certainty to our clubs coping with the business implications of the virus. Uh, this statement concludes, in consideration of the very serious and unprecedented national public health emergency, National League North, National League and National League South Footworks have been suspended since the 16th of March. The options concerning the sporting outcomes of 2019-20 season remain under careful and timely consideration, and further updates will be given in due course. Uh, I, I think, Matt, we saw this, this coming, uh, and a, a bit of clarity. Yeah, uh, clarity not to play games, but I don't know what they're going to do um, for the rest of it. Uh, just checking on the BBC website now, because... Um, Ian Dennis, um, you know, the main correspondent, he's got involved in this as well. So, and for me, if the Football League wants to make up to 92, I presume that they've got to give them Barrow to get promoted because of all the various formulas that they asked them how to work out, which seem to be, uh, there's three formulas that what they're going to do if they're going to continue promotion which reads on here, the possible scenarios, sponge all results, which is all over, confirm club's final league placing as of now, or calculate them on a mathematical formula, which the mathematical formula, I presume, is points per game. And going forward with the next interview, you'll, we'll discuss that a bit more afterwards. <laughs> but um, I'm thinking, does the Football League, the Premier League is going to go ahead, isn't it? Whatever it is for money. I'm thinking maybe the the, the, so the Premier League is going to go ahead. The Football League, is it going to go ahead? Is it going to be difficult for them to do it? Unless you go Sky heavily involved, they might want to put it on there. But that could be a struggle as well. So is it important that the Football League has 92 clubs next season? They haven't run with 92 clubs now. Do you think... So the only thing I think they've got to do is either expunge it all and get rid of Barrow, say Barrow up, and we work with 23 in the National League next season. I think the days of the playoffs, you've got Notts County digging up their pitch. You've got Bourne Wood digging up their pitch. Clearly, the only thing in this whole scenario is if Barrow are going to get promoted. That's the only thing I can see. I can't see anybody's going to be relegated, and I can't see anybody's being promoted. Though that may cause issues with the likes of Wildstone and Harrog, um, who's uh, Kings Lynn, about going up. But that's the only thing I can see is going in. If they'd finish the league, I don't think they can do the playoffs. So I would say, to Barrow go up? If not, expunge it. I, think expunge a, it I did read that going. article that you've read, the BBC read, I've read that as well. Uh, and there's one suggestion that Harrogate will have reason to, to put their hands up because they are due to play, or they were due to play Barrow in the last next to last game of the season. So they could realistically have said that the, the stand-ins were still in their own hands. So is there a way where they can look at it and say, well, Stevenage in League Two are 10 points adrift from safety. They, are, they weren't going to stay up. Relegate them and bring Harrogate up as well. If there's going to be the, the chance of a legal challenge from Harrogate. My other theory is, which one of my friend mentioned to me, Harrogate have got a plastic pitch. Ah, yes, so, of course. So, and plastic pitches are not allowed in the league. And we know from various conversations, if you rip up your pitch, it takes, what, six to eight weeks to do it. I know that might be time for Harrogate to do it now, but they've got to take that into the equation as well. 
Harrogate have got a plastic pitch. So I don't. If if you expunge the leagues, if if the football league goes, I don't think you can relegate Stevenage, can you? Because everybody else will be kicking off about that. So I expect if the football league wants to run with 92, it's 92, and it's all these various bits and pieces. Can they football league say we want the national league to give you the champion, give you a side to go up, and then they can give it to it? If the rest of the league are happy, will they let Barrow go? But then I don't think you can have. But then the other teams would have an issue. But I can only think it's going to happen. They're not going to do the playoffs. The decision to make is Barrow go up, yes, or and expunge the results from that. I how can't, about we're going they, the circle. how about if they say to Barrow, uh, you don't go up, but we guarantee three promotion places next season? That is that the best way to do it? Well, that was the other thing I, I mentioned to somebody this morning. Yes, yeah, so that could be right. Barrow aren't going up three promotion places next season and two go down and that accepts it up which the football league may stuff up may moan well they shouldn't moan because if nobody gets relegated they've had an extra season out of it that could be the way forward that say right yes we're not we're not taking barrow this year but you can have three spaces two top two and a team from the playoffs so down to eighth will be in the playoffs which opens up completely the league again that could be the way forward. Have you seen that mooted around, John? I think that's quite a good idea. I haven't actually. I've just come up with that one off the off the top of my head. But uh, I think that that seems like a, a a fair way of doing it if they're going to do that. Because the, the problem is, is everything below has been expunged, and and uh, we'll, we'll we'll be discussing the bottom end of the National League very shortly. But you know, there's going to be a knock-on effect all the way down the pyramid. And, and I just think we needed to find a solution that everybody was in agreement on. And this is this is my problem. This is where my problem with this has all come is that they acted too quickly with the Isthmian League and below, and now we're just waiting. And it, it, somewhere there's going to be a cut-off, and, and I think it's wrong that there is a cut-off. It should, everyone should be singing from the same hymn sheet. And I know there are issues with contracts about players, but I, I was chatting, funny enough, to the drain man on Saturday afternoon. And this is my solution now. Right? We are going to lose a season, okay? The, the, a season is gone. The season that should be gone, for me is the 2020-21 season. Because we've, if, we, if it was October and we'd played half a dozen games in this league, then I'd say, yep, yeah, fine, let's wipe out the, this season and, and we'll just start again when we're ready. But it seems to me everybody's rushing, rushing, rushing to get this season completed at the top level and completely finished at the bottom level. I think what we should do is, OK, yep, yeah, there are issues with contracts, and I get that. We'll find a way around it. Extend all the contracts until the end of the season. But we won't start playing football again until it is perfectly safe to do so. And then we start the next season, even if it's next July, we start the next season then. We just try and get back on track. We just Next season doesn't need to happen, but just so much has happened in this season. I think it's such a shame that it's going to be wasted. I mean, don't get me wrong, no one will find it funnier if Liverpool don't get to win the league than I will. Please don't be... But I just think we just need to just say, right, let's finish this season for everybody, and that means scaffold clubs, the whole lot, finish the season, and then we'll just start afresh and if it's not till next August, then it's not till next August. You know, you know. I just think we've got to look at the bigger picture here rather than the, the short-termism, which we're looking at at the moment. Well, there seems to be the consensus that we know football played in the Scottish League or, and Jim Palmer, the David Chairman, said on Radio Kent that he didn't expect games to be played in this calendar year. So there's not going to be games played to 2020 anyway. So they've either got to look at that from that. But from what I, 
my theory is the National League, if people have voted to end the league, surely there's not going to be many sides voting for the playoffs apart from the sides in the playoff positions. So clearly yeah. it's going to be booted out as well. Uh, some people are saying this is because Notts County are kicking up a fuss. Of course, the oldest ex-football league club, they might sue the league. But there's got to be a decision here made. I cannot believe... I. So the only the only thing is, do you promote? If 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 Barry hadn't gone bust, would there be an argument on the case here? They no, would just say not. tough. No. So that's that's the thing. The, the situation with Barry has caused this because the football league has got one less. Well, I think I'm, part of the problem is is that you know if if they completely expunge this season uh, uh, in the football league, is there going to be an issue whereby a club in Barry says right, well we're ready to start this season? Oh, and yeah, what do they do just, then? Are you, are you thinking, well, because Barrow results were expunged and so will everybody else's, they can start again? What's to stop Barry from saying, oh, yeah, we weren't ready for the start of, of the 2019 season, but we're ready now. We'll just be, if you're reinstate, if you're not relegating teams from League One, then hi, we're here. We'd like to be, have another go. I, I, I can see that happening. That, the, the Barry issue is the thing that is causing the biggest problem for the Football League, I think. I've never thought, actually thought about that, that Barry could say, right, we're coming back in. Oh, that, the, the, club, the club has been actually expunged, is it? It still actually exists somewhere. I think so, yeah. I think that smarmy, horrible little man is still dotting around somewhere. Um, um, well, but, uh, for me, they're not, the conference is going to, the National League is going to say, no, I think they'll expunge the results and then worry about it. I think the league will say it from that and then Barrow will kick off and see what it is from there. But the Berry situation, isn't it? If the, the Football League had 92 teams, they would probably... Think the National League would have gone by now, but I think the situation with Barry has from there. But I can't believe the rest of the league are going to vote for the playoffs anyway. And no. how are you going to do it? But, well, are you going to only have the teams in the playoffs? What about the relegation point? You, if you're going to play the playoffs, you've got to play the relegation, haven't you? I would have thought. Well, that brings us on very nicely then to our, our first interview because uh, the Berry situation has kind of left us uh, with, uh, we still didn't actually have ever have this confirmed, but we were thinking there was only going to be three relegation places uh, from the National League. And on the final Saturday, uh, that uh, very strange day when people played and, and other people didn't, uh, the only televised game in the country uh, was at the Shea, where uh, FC Halifax Town took on Ebb Street United. Uh, Ebb Street United were 1-0 winners that day, their third win in their last four, and that took them up to fourth from bottom in the table. Uh, they, <laughs> but they do however have played two more games than AFC filed in 23rd who are three points behind and one more game than Maidenhead a point behind them uh, in 22nd uh, with the news that there will be no more football this season I thought it was a good opportunity to speak to Ebbsfleet United manager Kevin Watson uh, to ask his view uh, on all of this and, and where it sits for his team but I started by asking the most important question how is Kevin is he okay yeah I'm all good I'm all good thanks mate um it's just, it's just a nightmare, isn't it? Um, but, you know, not being able to to do the the job you love, um, privileged job at that. So it's, uh, but we've all got to abide by this, um, these rules, and it looks like we're beginning to to come out the other side of it. So that's that's a positive, anyway. Yeah, we we should be talking now after the the final game of the season, and and you'd know your fate, but. Here we are now that the season has been is finished, the season's over, but we still don't really know what's what's going on. What, what are your thoughts at the moment? Um, I really don't know what to make of it. Obviously, we were we were playing very well. Um, 
we were in the best form that we'd been in all season, most certainly since I'd, I'd been at the club. Um, and we didn't want the season to end. Um, obviously, it's ended for the correct reasons. Um, because, you know, no one knows when we're going to be able to play football again. But having won five out of the last eight games and the last three away games, we um, most certainly, um, I would have been backing us. And I think most people involved with the club would have been backing us to, to stay up on, on, on our own merits, you know, and not through the season finishing as it did. I suppose that was the thing, wasn't it? Confidence w- was so high because you, you had finally found that bit of form that you've been promising to find, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 played well in fits and starts. Um, one stat that the boys can be incredibly proud of since we went in was the fact that we never, ever lost two games on the spin. Um, and we probably were in charge 30-odd games. So that's all credit to them. Um, we always bounce back from poor results, poor performances and put it right in the next game. But we, it took a while, but we, we managed to find our feet, if you like. And um, the boys really took, grabbed hold of the bit those last couple of months. And, you know, I was incredibly proud of them for what they, for what they were achieving at the time. And, you know, most certainly those last two games at Hartlepool and um, Halifax against all odds getting two fantastic wins and not only that the performances, the performances as well were, were superb especially for me the, the Halifax result where you know Halifax fall for us down the bottom you know every man and his dog were probably thinking we were going to go there and get beat um, but it weren't just the nature uh, sorry it wasn't just the result but the nature of the result and how well we played and it was on, obviously on TV and there for all to see that Halifax game must have been a weird one because you said you didn't really want to play that day and it was the only televised game anywhere in the country, wasn't it, over that weekend? So I guess it must have been quite surreal. Yeah, I look back on it. Um, I look back at the, the day before leading up to it and I can safely say, yes, it was a wonderful result, wonderful performance, but I, if it was to happen again tomorrow, I still wouldn't have wanted to play. I, I didn't get it. Um, you know, a, a lot of teams had called their games off in our league. I think there was only four games, maybe five at, at the most. Um, and, you know, we sat at a hotel in St Albans, one of the pickups, and, you know, we sat there till two o'clock waiting for a National League announcement. And I thought for a world we wouldn't be getting on that coach. Um, but then obviously we're travelling up, up north and you can't leave it too long because you're going to get the traffic at the M1. So we made a decision to leave. I think we'd been on the bus hour and 15 minutes before, you know, National League come back and said, uh, it's all systems go, which I was quite shocked uh, at. And looking back, the way things have gone, was very surprised at. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's going to be null and void like the leagues below, or is it going to be a matter of waiting for the, the leagues above to make a decision? Several people have asked me, um, and, and I've had to tell several people, that, several people the same answer. I don't know. I'm in contact with our CEO every day. He doesn't know. There are obviously a couple of ways they can do it, um, which is just null and void, end of, you know, season hasn't happened. Um, but then I think that the position of the National League is the fact that I think they're waiting to see what happens with the EFL, because obviously a club needs to replace Berry in the, in the league above. So do you promote any teams? Um, most certainly from our point of view, in the relegation scenario, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think everybody knows that it was only going to be free to get, to get relegated. 
because of the Barry situation, we would have found we found ourselves out of that bottom three in that very last game. Um, but there is a scenario where if they go on a points per game basis, which I do not get in the slightest, then we get relegated by 0.002 of a point. Now, um, the last time I uh, knew, we only played for either one point or three points. There is no such thing as 0.002 of a point. Um, and and I, it's something I do not agree with in the slightest when you think that you know teams have different uh, runs of form at different stages of the season. Um, we played two more games because that was probably when we were, were trying to get games on and not called off. Um, and we were we were in great form. You know, it's the, the league. There were still games to play. You can't relegate teams on you know if buts and maybes. And what about the the, the future? Because obviously you'll be players out of contract and, and, and yeah. you know your your own stuff like that. What, what happens now? Are, are you just completely switching off from it, or are you looking ahead to, to next season whenever that will be? Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's a how long's a bit of string. My contract's up at the end of May. You know, the majority of our players, their contracts are up on May the second. We're literally we don't know what league we're going to be in because of you know the decision hasn't been made. And I think we're in one of the most precarious positions based on the scenarios that we've just spoke about and how teams might be relegated, promoted, etc. Um, but yeah, 90% of my boys are out of contracts. Um, we literally have to wait and see where we're going to be before we start planning for the, the coming season, for whenever that's going to start. And obviously your own future, you've, you've enjoyed your time at Ebbsfleet and, and I guess you want to continue the good work you've done. Yeah, of course. As I say, I'm in daily contact with the CEO. He knows my contract's up. Um, you know, I'd like to think that I've done enough with my staff and with the with the boys and the group to to warrant to warrant staying at the club. Um, you know, I haven't been told um, anything to the contrary. Um, it's been really really enjoyable um, working with the boys day in day out and. Um, yeah, I mean, as I say, I can't wait to, to get back and get started again. So as, as far as I'm aware, you know, that's, uh, I'll, I'll still be the club for next season. I remember speaking to you very early on and you said, you know, it's, it's my time to sort of step out of the shadows and, and show what I can do. And I suppose you think you've done that and you've done yourself justice. Yeah, I, I, well, again, I think that's for other people to, to decipher on, on how well they think I've done. Um, but you look at it and we, the club had 10 points from the first 16 games. I think, you know, eight points from safety and we gradually whittled it down. You know, every time we got to within three points, two points, we managed to shoot ourselves in the foot. But, but as I've said, you know, those last two months, we, we worked away, we whittled it down, we were eight points adrift um, a couple of months ago and then all of a sudden we find ourselves, as I say, um, in my opinion, out of the woods and out of that bottom three. So, again, it's, you know, I'd like to think that we've we've done okay, yeah. And just finally, Ebb's Fleet supporters have, have been good to you as well and I guess you'd like to send them a message. Yeah, I mean, they have been, you know, in general on the whole, I mean, you can't please, please everybody all of the time and, you know, there'll be people that, that, that don't like the way I've managed and there'll be people that do. Um, I can honestly say that the majority of, of the Ebb's Fleet fans have been 
fantastic. I, I try and communicate with them and interact with them as much as I can, um, whether that's on Twitter or, or whatever. Um, they've been they've been really really good to me, and you know our, our support home and away has been excellent. Yeah, of course, you know nobody's going to happy when you lose games, and and people are right in to, to have vocal opinions when you do lose. But on the flip side, when we've won, you know they've, they've all been great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly can't wait to be back and, and to, see, to see them all. Um, we are trying to, to unite the club a little bit more um, in terms of players going upstairs to the bar after the game and mingling with fans and opening it, opening that large um, room upstairs to, to um, you know, the, the paying punter, if you like, and not just the corporate after the game. So we're trying to we're trying to make it a real family club. Um, and as I say, hopefully we'll be back sooner rather than later, and, um, and we can do that. But yeah, the, the fans have been have been fantastic, and you know my message would be to them all: you know, keep abiding by the rules, stay in, <laughs> as as you know we hear every day. And the longer we do that, um, and everyone abides by it, the quicker we'll be back and, and doing the job and watching the game with us. We don't play for naught point naught point two of a point. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a strange one. Uh, the points per game issue. I think back in the day, didn't they? People have won the league by various things, by points per games or goal average or whatever. Oh, that's so, good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I can see where he's coming from. Uh, and the more, as I say earlier, part of the part, the more and more goes on. I think he's got a point. They've drew it up. You've got to expand the results from there. They're in a difficult position. And financially, they're probably in a difficult position. We know the financial problems they've got. They've got players um, out of contract. And I'll, I'll be interested to see, now that the league's been expunged and teams like Dover and the sides of the middle of the table, will we see a list soon of players being released? Because I would have thought, absolutely, some of those players, they won't want to keep. Will you see it Well, we've released X, Y, Z, even if we're carrying on, they won't be playing because they don't want to play because we're not going to keep them and they don't expect a contract. So, yeah, I think Kevin Watts has done a decent job. A few weeks ago, we thought they were down. But I think um, I think he's got a good position to say we're fourth from bottom. Expunge the results now like every other league and Ebbsfleet will stay up and he goes again. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it is a difficult one. But I think the form they were in, I mean, if you look at the teams around them, Wrexham were a, a place above them of a one in five. You know, even you look up at Aldershot Town, who ironically they would have played in their last game of the season, they're 16th in the table, lost their last three, they're four points in front of Ebbsfleet. You cannot say with any certainty that Ebbsfleet United would not have caught those teams. So I think to relegate them on points per game would be absolute madness at, at, at this stage of the season. And again, it comes back to my overriding point. There were seven games left for Ebbsfleet. This is, this is the thing I just can't get my head around and why it's all... We were so close to the end of the season... You know, it, it's not even a quarter of the season left to play. It's, it's about an eighth of the season left to play. You can't just say, right, well, no, that's it. You've got to look at a way of, of, of either finishing the season or completely wiping it out. And Kevin Watson, you could kind of... Uh, he was obviously playing the game, and I'm sure he, he may feel differently if Ebbsfleet would have been safe on points per game. Um, but, you know, f- from his point of view, I thought he, he would absolutely hit the nail on the head there. And, and you can't look at it and say, right, well, with any certainty, with seven games left to play, this is what Ebbsfleet would have finished on. No, again, a lot of clubs would probably say that. I, love I thought I heard Gary Johnson of Torquay saying that he wanted the league to carry on because they've got a bit of a sticky patch. But he said 
you know, a quarter of their squad out was out injured. And he said, once these players come back, if you look at our previous records, when they played, we win matches. So you can see uh, from that point. So to be honest, John, we're discussing this there, but we're getting bored of this now. The National League has got to show a little bit of balls. They've gone to the clubs, which would be a good thing. Right. Make a decision now because it's looking a little bit farcical saying we're waiting to what the Football League is doing on this. Make a decision as quickly as possible so clubs can move on, players can move on, and then we'll, and more importantly, they can look to where they'll be going from that point forward. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there, mate. Um, going back to Kevin Watson, though, I, I think um, we, we did speak to him very early in his uh, in his Ed Street manager. I think he might have even still been caretaker manager when we spoke to him. Uh, and he said I was ready, as I said to him there, ready to step out. And I think given the, the, the troubles that he had and, and uh, the off-the-field issues and, and the squad that he inherited, I think he, he's done a really good job there. I think he's done a a really good job. He came in, Gary Hill, I think he was last of the week, then he got the job. So I don't know how, how that particularly works. I can't think he's he's brought in a few loan signings. Isn't he? David Gregory came in in goal, then he's got injured. Um, he brought in Mackie for a while, didn't he? But I think he's done a, a really good job in difficult circumstances because FC's been a basket case of a club for the last 18 months, two years from where they were. Decent manager, he had a decent career, been given an opportunity and he's having a decent job and maybe he, he definitely deserves the chance, whatever league they should be in, um, to get be given a chance again for that. So, I, I, And I think he plays the media pretty well, so I think he's uh, doing a very good job. Yeah, I, I was going to say, literally, a really good talker. I always enjoy talking to him. He, he certainly talks a good game and I think... You know, if he'd been absolute manager from the start of the season, I don't think we'd be worrying at all about their points per game, would we? No, no. I think some of his results have been very good. He mentioned there, haven't had back-to-back defeats. The results they've had away from home, good result against Halifax, Hartlepool, back-to-back away wins. Home form has been a bit patchy. I know he blamed the pitch for that. But, yeah, if he'd have been the start of the, start of the season, they'd have been comfortably mid-table. And I think that's a, a really good job for the money they were spending and the money they're not spending now. Yeah, I mean, they do have the worst uh, goals against in the whole division, uh, mind, with, with 68 conceded. But then that wasn't helped by the odd uh, the, the odd really poor result. And that, that was the one thing I think that he would have been frustrated about. Most of they got absolutely spanked up at Barrow. But they did have some real inconsistencies in there. And I guess that's the one thing that Kevin Watson will take. And, and you know, it's easy to forget that although he's a name that we know, he's been around for a, a long time. It's his first managerial job. So... Uh, provided that he stays at Ed Street, which from speaking to him there, he, he definitely wants to. I think that the only way is up for them next season. Yeah, I, I think he, he knows the lower level, National League South, which means he knows a few players at that level who he thinks can come in and do a job. So I think his business in the transfer market will be quite interesting to see. But I think he's got the fans on board. And absolutely. You look at Ebsleet, you know, I can't believe they'll be challenging at the right end of the table for a number of years because financially they can't compete. But they can, they are a solid National League club. And I think Kevin Watson can continue to make them do that as well. And we want, you know, we thought they were going down and we want more National League clubs from Kent staying in that division as well. Yeah, it's going to be quite a peculiar thing if the league does get expunged and it's all just literally the same. I wonder if they'll just even do the same fixture list as, Nick, as this season just got on. We, we did discuss that as well, um, how we were going to do if they would... It makes sense, I suppose. You just move it an extra... Well, 
well, you wouldn't move it an extra day, but yeah, things like fixtures must be a bit of a nightmare to work out and how are you going to do it? When But somebody did say if they start in January, you'd only play one team once yeah. anyway. So, they would, so if the National League has only got 23 teams, one team won't be playing once a week. So I, I don't know how they'll work that out. I presume draw out of a hat. These are the teams you, you'll be home about something from there, but logistical nightmare, but something that we don't need to worry about. No, I, I certainly am thinking with the looking like the cricket season is going to be absolutely wiped out uh, by this. That surely they'll just move this year's fixtures back exactly a year and just say, right, well, these are the games you're playing on, on these dates instead. Yeah, it'll be a day different. But uh, but yeah, I'm sure there's absolutely no reason why they can't do that. Uh, but yeah, uh, interesting times. And we will obviously keep an eye uh, on what's going to happen uh, in the National League. But as I say, I would imagine it is all going to be dependent on what happens with the Football League and in turn what happens with the Premier League. So uh, it well, may just, just be reading a case there about Sorry, reading here that somebody said it, that that France league is going to be no foot. French government expect to announce this afternoon that no sporting events, including football behind closed doors, will be allowed before August. Oh, there we go then. I, I think they're looking at the, back to the Premier League. They're looking at the Bundesliga is going to kick off in a couple of weeks, so the Premier League thinks it can do the same. But I don't think it's going to be as easy as that. And I wonder how much pressure certain satellite television companies are putting on the uh, football to come back on this because of the financial constraints. And if, yeah, and if a player gets it or somebody gets the disease at a football match, even behind closed doors, they probably could be hell to pay. Well, exactly. We will find out over time. And of course, we will be here every week uh, waiting for <laughs> this news. So uh, until until they until they say everything's finished forevermore, we're just going to keep going, I think, because it's good for us. It's uh, and hopefully uh, it's good for you. And one thing, of course, we've been doing and uh, Dean from the scaffold, I see what you're doing, my friend, on your website. I see what you're doing. Um, but we have been asking players. Uh, and uh, coaches and now former players uh, are listed questions uh, about their non-league lives. Uh, so into the hot seat this week uh, is a man who in the interview did say, I've had a lot of clubs, John, uh, but uh, I know him best as a former Ramsgate striker, Ian Pullman, uh, who I used to cover a lot when I was uh, covering the, the Isle of Thanet Gazette and I'm a, a big fan of, of, of him as a, a bloke and as a player. Uh, so I thought it was a good opportunity to get uh, Ian Pullman on to answer our questions. And, and instead of saying to him, what do you love about non-league football first up, I said to him, what do you miss about non-league football now that he's retired? Oh, I miss it massively. Do you know what? I miss the most is the changing room. You can't beat the changing room. Like, getting there, well, actually, as well, kind of like Saturdays, I used to try and get out of the, the house as early as I could. So I'd like, go for a bit of breakfast and sort of get away from the wife. But now, obviously, I don't have any of that. So I have to pretend to go to work on a Saturday. <laughs> but it's a... Uh, the change, you can't beat the changing room. I really miss the changing room. You know, it's the band with the lads and the really miss that. Obviously, you had quite a, a, a long non-league career. What, what was the highlight of your of your time playing football? Um, uh, you know, getting to cup finals and stuff. Won, you know, I won a couple of Kent Senior Cups. But I think my favourite moment, even though I didn't, I wasn't really um, a regular at the time, was playing for Ramsgate when we. We uh, won the Ryman Div 1 um, and then got to the playoffs the following year of the, the, the Prem. So, I mean, those two years were fantastic. Um, it was a great squad. Just seemed to win every week. It was it was you know, a really good time in football. You, you know, we just, you feel like you're going to turn up every week and win. It just makes football even better. I suppose that's, a, that's, that's the funny thing about football that people don't understand. Confidence is just a massive thing, isn't it? 
It is, yeah, it really is. Like, we honestly used to just turn up and we was a bit like ragass ropers. You know, nobody really had matching track suits. We used to turn up in a honking minibus. But we'd turn up and just turn everyone over. <laughs> the the rounds get... So it was, yeah, that was, a, that was a really good time in football. In terms of winning things, and it was fantastic. And a, a great changing room as well. That's always key to, to a successful team, is having a good changing room. Yeah, and I mean you can go back to your to your youth time at Chelsea as well. But who's the best player you played with? I mean, if you're talking, if you're talking non-league, um, um, I played with some, I mean, some cracking players over the years. But you know, non-league, oh, it's sort of the lower. If you talk about sort of the lower lower sort of leagues of non-league, I mean, like Ben Laslett was a fantastic footballer. He was Mister Consistent. Um, yeah, like Warren Shorts and stuff like that. And then if you go up, sort of my, my Margate days, playing with people like uh, John Kaiser and Jay Saunders, they were they were fantastic players as well. Like great to play with every week. But yeah, oh, I mean, I played for a few clubs, John. So <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to sort of pick one out. I suppose that, look, yeah. on a similar theme, then who was the best strike partner that you that you played with? Who was the one striker that you really linked up with really well? My favourite, uh, who I enjoyed playing with the most, was David Corey. Um, just, just in terms of the relationship we had together, you know, we were great friends off the pitch as well as on it. But it, just, just that that kind of link we had as friends. That's why it was my favourite stroke partnership. And it, I mean, I couldn't use the cast him that much, but um, <laughs> we had a great time on the pitch together. Who was the best player you played against? sort of to my youth days at Chelsea um, and uh, James Milner was just absolutely on a different level and, you know in those days I played against sort of the, you know Wayne Rooney and those sort of people but James Milner was at, and, and Aaron Lennon was another one who was actually at that age were just absolutely on a different level they were just fantastic I suppose it must have been funny for you because obviously you played against those lads and then at 16, you know, they, they were playing in, in like in the Premier League. Yeah. So I guess that must have been really Milner strange. He played in the Premier League the week before and then he played against us in the FA Youth Cup the next week. Um, they uh, was playing Leeds at Ellen Road um, and they were 4-0 uh, up, uh, up at half-time and Aaron Lennon scored a hat-trick and Milner scored the other one. I mean, they, it was... That they were just absolutely of a different level to everyone else on pitch. It was just, it was incredible to watch. Who's the um, the biggest influence on your career? Uh, probably my dad. You know, he's, he took me everywhere. I used to watch him when I was a kid. Um, used to watch him play all the time, and he was he got me into football. He was always at the park, and he's done a lot for me, old man. He's a good lad, and he took me everywhere. Took me to every game. He used to be the chauffeur. But yeah, he's definitely the biggest influence on me. I, still, I mean, I still work with him now, so you know we're, we're good mates with the old man. So it's nice to have that. What's the uh, best goal you ever scored? Um, uh, one that sticks out in my mind probably uh, my first ever goal for Margate on my debut actually in, uh, against Stevenage. You know, I hit a volley, um, bit of a shin roll, but it went in off the post and looked quite nice. Probably the one that sticks out in my head. Yeah, she scored a lot of tappings, didn't you? I scored a few tappings. <laughs> you got to be in the right place, though, didn't you, mate? You got to be in the right place to score them. What's the funniest thing you ever saw on a pitch? Uh, probably James Gregory running off 
to use the facilities um, mid-game. But, I mean, when he ran back on, he got booked by the referee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was quite funny. Who's your best friend in football? Uh, well, Danny Whisker, um, who I played with for years, he's still my best mate now. He's going to be best man at my wedding uh, well, next year now. Um, but yeah, he's, he's he's my best friend in football. When you were playing, what did you like to do to relax, to get away from football? Uh, well, if I wasn't ever in my late years, it'd be just being with the kids. Um, but before then, it would be out watching down the pub, watching football somewhere. Um, until you know, when when you meet the missus, that's it, mate. Game over, and you got to do as you're told. And, I mean, when you look back at it, do, do, are you happy with what you achieved in your career? Um, I wish I would have won more. Um, definitely, I think that you always want to win, win trophies, and um, I never really won as much as I wanted to win. Um, you know, personally, won a couple of golden boots and stuff like that. But really, you want to win the, the team silver there. I wish I wish I won more. You know, on that league and stuff like that, that would have been nice. Well, I guess if if someone had said to you what. 25 years ago that where your career would take you playing against James Milner and, and playing at Ellen Road and you had to spell in Australia as well didn't you that must have been amazing yeah yeah that was yeah that was a, a fantastic year in Australia that was probably one of my highlights met some great people over there would, would love to turn back the clock and do that again that was that was a real good year but um, in terms of myself I still wish I could I feel like I could have pushed myself a little bit harder and, and achieved a bit more um, just a bit too lazy I think we're good and you've obviously mentioned uh, your dad and, and your kids it, might we see a third Pullman put, putting on his boots in the future do you think <laughs> he's not really too interested in it at the moment a little boy he's more he's more into playing Fortnite on his Nintendo Switch than football but I'm trying to push him into it but he's just not having it at the moment he's only, he's only he's seven next birthday so I mean I started to play at that eight or nine so hopefully within the next couple of years I can get him involved do you still go and watch games or do you, do you sort of just leave it now uh, yeah I don't really I don't I, I mean on TV I've got you know I watch Sky Sports and stuff but I wish I had time to go. I mean, the last couple of years I've been doing a degree um, in my spare time, which has been really tough. So I haven't had time for anything. But now I've finished that, I'm, you know, I'd like to think I have a bit more time on the end and I can watch a bit more football. If if Alfie doesn't get into it and I have to trick around watching him, definitely would like to watch a lot more football than I do now. And just fine, have you ever thought about coaching or, or anything like that? Um, a few years ago I did. Um, um, a few years ago I thought about getting into it, but... My, the kind of path I've, I've led has, has taken me away from football a bit more than than into it. Um, I, do, I would love to get back into it and get stuck into it, doing something like that, but it's just finding the time at the moment. It's definitely something I'm interested in doing, definitely. Hey, just in chat that, uh, Matt, with, with Pulley there, and he kind of sense he, he feels he could have done more in his career, and, and, and that must be quite hard for him, I suppose. Yeah, I remember seeing him. I think I was at the game when he, the goal he scored against Margate Stevenage. I think that was at Cravel. And I think it was a he sort of came off. I think they lost 4-1 that game, Margate. But but this is before, like, this is what, 17, 18 years ago, before social media. So you turn up at the game and Margate have got a new striker who was at Chelsea, which he didn't really know, know much about. And he came on. And I've followed his career since then. And he did have a good lower league career. But I remember seeing him at that game when he thought he had a bit of quality. Didn't work out of him at Margate. I think he's got a few goals though, but he had a decent career and another sort of. He was at a 
a player from Kent who had a good career. And when I saw him play in the Vauxhall Conference, as it was then, you probably thought, this player here, you could probably go back into the league. Because, you know, Chelsea, you must have been something as a kid to be spotted by Chelsea at that time. So, yeah, did he? He was a good lower league, good lower league, non-league marksman is probably the best description I can give him. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when I started uh, started to cover him, he was, uh, well, I always have a debate with him about his age. Basically, the, the, the long-standing story is that uh, before I started covering uh, Ramsgate and he was playing there, some, one of my colleagues, uh, not even a sport colleague, described him as a veteran, uh, a veteran striker after he scored a goal or something. Uh, and he was livid by this because he was 28 at the time. And uh, and this and it was always a bit of a running joke. And I even said to him, when I spoke to him, how old are you claiming to be now? He went, ah, oh. said, I'm 35, but I'm, I'm 30 in football years. I was like, yeah, tell me about it. So it was kind of those running things. But what, So when I covered him, he was, I suppose you could say, uh, had reached veteran status a little bit. But he still had, he just had something about him. And, and he almost scored one of the best goals I've ever, ever seen, uh, which was the, the silly day when I went to, when I covered um, both teams, uh, both Margate and Ramsgate in Surrey on the same day. And I went up to watch, I watched Ramsgate at Car Shorten and then drove over to Sutton to get some reaction. I've mentioned it before on the show. Uh, and they lost 5-2, uh, did Ramsgate at Car Shorten. Um, but he almost scored the best goal. He beat about six players on his way into the box, and it was an absolutely fantastic save, and, and uh, that denied him. And I remember writing on the, because I used to have a bit of a laugh with the uh, with the Twitter account that I ran. I was like, if he'd scored that, I'd never have heard the end of it. It was, it was, you know, it was one of those. And uh, and another thing about about Pulley that I would also tell you is there was a game at uh, at Faversham that I covered, and there was a goal and it was deflected, and um, literally as soon as the final whistle came up, went, he came running over to me and he said. That was my goal. It was definitely my goal. It was definitely my goal. And I just said to him, how big's your goal bonus? Because he was desperate for the goal. So he must have been on some money to score one. He, 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 does he live in Thanet still? Does he? I think he's he does, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yes. down your... Down your yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, oh, he probably could have done better. And I definitely remember seeing that goal against um, Stevenage when he came on. And, you know, Chris Kinnear, manager of Margate, must now have a player, but it didn't work out for him. But he, I think, you know... Yeah, he could have done better, but, you know, the memory he's got, I'm sure he'll, he's quite happy with that. Playing in Australia, not many players have done that as well. So, good good luck to him and appreciate him coming on the show. Yeah, one of the seasons when I covered him, the, the, uh, the Ramsgate strike force was Pullman and Taylor. You can imagine that was quite good fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Planet's finest in there from that point of view. Uh, well, and obviously, if Gerard had been there commentating, that would yeah, have exactly. made it. Yeah, Planet's, they're definitely, well, two of Planet's finest anyway in that. Um, yeah, so that was, yeah, thanks very much to, uh, to Ian Pullman for that. And if there's anyone else out there who wants to answer our questions, uh, former player, current player, manager, anyone, just uh, drop us a line and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and yeah, we're just trying to keep ourselves, uh, keep our spirits up uh, during these times of lockdown. I'm sure, Matt, we're getting towards the point where you need to go and start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the school bell is about to go in a minute and I need to get back to um, kids' homework. So we've got to do some, well, we do, the, 10 past two, we do have countdown. We make sure... We watch Countdown at 10 past two to three o'clock. Not not just Rachel Riley, but just that's a bit of education. And I've been quite enjoying Countdown. So we've got 40 minutes of work before Countdown. 15 minutes until quarter past three of working. Rest. Have you enjoyed the day? You hate your teacher, don't you? Yes. And then we finish (laughs) the day. Then I'll get on with my baking. And um, are you a fan of Rachel Riley then, are you? Yes. Very clever girl. Very clever girl. Well, got the brains very clever so 
all oh, that program. I did get an eight-letter word last week, and I was like Ooh. punching the air. But Very normally good. it's standard five. And I did get to get a conundrum. No, no, I didn't get a conundrum. But I got the. They do an advert where they do a conundrum, and I got that one. But no, I quite enjoy countdown. So yeah, it's, it's some of these things. Then thinking, right, well, when I really should take countdown, and when I come home from work, rather than reading the teletext for half an hour, why don't I just watch countdown? Because that gives you a bit of education. And, Kind of thing. So, countdown is now going back on my planner. Very good. Well, I hope you enjoy it. I, I've missed the last uh, few episodes of that, but uh, you know, I, 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 if it was on, I, I will kind of watch it. It's one of those things. Uh, so, but there you go. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening to uh, this week's show. Thank you to Kevin Watson and to Ian Pullman. Uh, for speaking to me yesterday to uh, to be on the show. I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard, where you will not only get to see the things he wants to retweet this week, but all the details about the pub quiz with the cricketers uh, in Dover. Football quiz, Saturday, 3 o'clock, hosted by Matt Jard, and you even get the chance uh, to look at him. You may also see my face this week, albeit on the telly, uh, in disturbing scenes, as you've already mentioned at the top of the show. You can find me on Twitter at JohnPhipps81 as well. Uh, keep safe, everybody. Keep obeying the rules. I know it sucks. Trust me, no one's more bored than I am, but we're all doing this for a reason, because one day we want to get back to normality. So let's all just stay inside uh, and keep safe over the coming week and hopefully we'll have some more news and but we'll be a bit more positive when we speak to you this time next week on the Kent Nolly podcast thanks for listening I'm going to beatbox to my Charles Darwin rap <laughs>